Yo, this is Tech Nine on Wake the Flock Up. Uh, so hurry up and do it. Wake the flock up. Tech nine, baby. Wake okay. the flock up, immortal technique. You know what it is, baby. Bang, bang. Listen. Oh, you're out of your mind. No, 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 Okay. Huh. I don't believe they let you, I guess, run about with your little recorder <laughs> saying these fucking horrible things to people. show you are now listening to wake the flock up with concept 714 in beautiful santa monica california you're now rocking with the best baby Quit holy playing. shit wake the flock up dude i have forgotten how beautiful like outdoors is for like a year we're looking at the ocean <laughs> directly at the what is this place called since they were so nice let's give them a shout out the water grill the water grill in santa monica directly direct view of the ocean it's gorgeous and we're eating things that come out the ocean while we're looking at it oh it's, it's like, the irony behind that right you know what i mean like <laughs> i almost feel bad it's like yeah. um it's like doing a drive-by shooting and then just smoking a blood in front of the the house that you uh, it's shot. a shame your house got shot yeah <laughs> <laughs> i see the perspective see that's what i like about you lush you're in these beautiful surroundings but, but your mind is always hood you know like gutter. <laughs> it's always there we're also here joined by Riggy Mars in the building. Let me know how you guys know each other, and uh, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll get the we'll get the other stuff rolling off the ground. So um, Riggy's definitely been yeah. a staple in the underbellies of the LA hip hop scene. I'm from uh, West LA. He's from Pasadena, and um, both been grinding out for quite some time. But we met directly through my brother, God bless the dead, Cadillac Ron, and um, R.I.P. Yeah, he, um, you know, that's been my brother since way, way back. And, and how, how did you meet Caddy originally? Was I met I met Caddy at an AA meeting in 2005 in Hollywood. And uh, I was, like, freestyling to myself in the in the corner. And he kind of walked up to me and, like, fucking, like, loked up on me a little bit. He was going to ask you to leave? Like- <laughs> yeah, like, like, I thought I was going to get in a fight, you know what I mean? That's just how he was and shit. And then we started rapping together, and he showed hella love. And then he invited me to do a set with him at the Knitting Factory. That following R.I.P. Weekend. The Knitting Factory. Yeah, for real. What a great little spot that was. And um, I think uh, yeah, back in 2010, when I was signed to an indie label, no longer exists, called Ever Ready Records, and uh, it was, and we were doing an album release show in downtown L.A. and this guy Ricky walked up to me and was like hey you know I'm an artist too whoop dee whoop dee whoop we became cool and then um, as the years went on we kind of like weave in and out of each other's lives and really it was like on some street shit at a certain point we were making moves and we were both like on both sides of the game which is what my music is a big reflection of like 
I talk about selling dope. I talk about all that, but I also talk about the ramifications of that, the consequences of that, and addiction, and which is often overlooked in hip hop and things that people don't want to discuss. And Riggy as well, you know, like we both kind of because we were actually in that deep in that, and um, you know, at a certain point, he kind of wanted to. He got sober by the grace of God, and I was still at it, and. Um, we linked up in 2019 with a dope producer named Body Bag Ben out of Oxnard. He's killing it right now. And um, we decided to work on a project called Dead End Kids. So in addition to our solo material, we've been pumping out a lot of joints as Dead End Kids with our unique style of grimy hip hop, that sample based music that we call LA Noir Audio Cinema. I like that. So you guys are working together to build something in the future. Uh, and you got stuff in development now. So you, how does it feel to work with a, with a partner? Well, we both do our own thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're solo artists. Yeah. But when we come together, yeah. it's nice to have somebody that shares your vision. Sure. And really understands the aesthetic you're trying to create. Yeah. No, no, I understand that. I understand that. And, uh, and, and, and if I may, not to pretend that I knew him or even got to meet him, but I had it. An interaction with Cadillac Raw myself. Everyone got a caddy story. Let's go. And uh, and it just tells you the type of dude he is, right? So like, there was that instance where he's in the battle, right? And like he, he shoots up in the middle of it or whatever it oh, is. Oh yeah. Right? And of course, everyone that saw it was like, "Yo," because it's like you don't see that, right? And so you know, it was like, "Oh, I can't believe it," blah blah. And I'm like, "Oh, yo, I don't know if I if I like this representation." And you know me, just yeah, like yeah. it's just like it, a bad. This ain't the look for hip hop. No, like for I'm like you know, like it is what it is. But like in the middle, people are watching. There's, you know, what I'm saying like I didn't, but it, it was something among those lines, right? He hits me up, and he goes, "What did I put it on? Was it Instagram or Facebook? Wherever I, I think it must have been Facebook where I saw the video." And uh, he rep- he goes, hey, I don't appreciate what you put on the comic, right? <laughs> he goes, you're you're in the media. You need to know. You should like it was something like you shouldn't be so quick to just judge right away without judge, especially someone like you who's like talking like facts or whatever. And um and it took me aback. I was like, oh shit! Like, did I rush into this? Like, what am I not? And he goes, you know, like I'm a cool dude, and and it's like you know people listen to what you say. Like maybe you should just like. And we had this conversation about like how he was right. So he made me like realize not to be so quick to judge someone right. or something that you see. And then also, if you have the power to speak, don't blab it out without having the information, right? Because if you know the story of the of whatever happens, you know that's you know that story is a story. I'm not going to go into it, but I'm just saying uh, it's important. He gave me the perspective. Is what I'm saying. Well, you've always walked that fine line between because. You you are an influential figure in the scene, and you do have a voice that people listen to. But you're also, at the end of the day, a hip hop head, and you didn't get yeah. into this game yeah. to bite your tongue. So you're going to speak your mind, yeah. you know. And and I did I didn't have like a dad, right? So like so I didn't have any parental or male guidance to say this is the way you would react in this situation. So what those were were MC. So it was like Pac, Slug, Cannabis. It was like right. these rappers that I would they were raising me, Guru, just telling me, hey. In this situation, this is what I did, and what and this is how you talk to girls, and and one of the things like cannabis always taught me was like be you, if you is who you are, like the truth, like if you convince right. that you are talking the truth, then be you and disregard what anybody feels about you because they're against truth if they don't like what you're saying, kind of thing. Period. Period. You know, and like so I just I just live my life that way, and also I like to talk shit. 
And you I, do. <laughs> I feel like I don't get to talk shit if I'm not contributing to the thing that I'm talking about. Does that make sense? Well, like, it makes it, it makes the impact a lot greater. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you like Mike Tyson speaking about a boxing match holds a lot more validity than our waiter. You know, exactly. He might have hands yeah. too. You know, we don't know. <laughs> Which is true. So the, anyway, so I, and I I feel the need to contribute all the time. I'm sure you guys feel the need to absolutely have the, to create something. Like I want to look at something and something out of nothing, and I'm like, you know, okay, cool. I like the idea of contributing to something, and that way I can criticize it because when it does need to be criticized, you should say something about it, right? Right. Like we were talking about, there's certain things in hip hop that we don't talk about. We just don't bring up. A hundred percent. So it's like politics, health, religion, and like. Well, I mean, I guess the three mental major, health, mental health, right? Mental health, we, absolutely. We avoid those issues, particularly like we we'll go around them in hip hop, like oh, addiction. Pff, I don't know what that is. Well, as far but as I'm like, high all the time, <laughs> alcoholism. As, I don't know what that is, but I'm drinking like every day, bro. You know what as, as far as politics goes, that's a difficult one yeah. because people don't want to alienate their fans. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, but at the same time. If you're like I've cultivated a relationship with like I might not have the biggest fan base in the world, but my my fans are diehard. They will ride with me to the grave. They will purchase anything I put out before I buy it. I'm able to completely survive off of the merit of having this trust and understanding and mutual respect with my supporters. So if I'm a bite my if I'm a bullshit and hold back on something, they're gonna see through that. So it's like again it's a difficult space to navigate because I don't like to alienate people but I also I'm definitely not going to be fake under any circumstance and they expect to hear things from you like I would love to know what like blank thinks about this situation right, right. and I understand unless you're dead prez or immortal tech where that's your niche like I talk about politics it can be difficult but when at his prime did you ever hear like puffy go go vote he like, they didn't talk about it. Right, unless he's getting paid or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not until now, until like democracy is literally like at risk that like Nas and like all the rabbit, hey man, go fucking vote because like this shit's getting real out there, right? Right, so like if someone were to ask me, how do you feel about the conflict between Israel and Lebanon, or sorry, Israel and Palestine, knowing that my answer is going to potentially alienate an entire contingent of people, yeah. like what I go to is the heart. And what my heart says in that instance is, I want peace. However that's able to manifest itself, whatever needs to happen, I'm all for peace. I'm all for human beings. Mm. No, no, no. And that's respectable. But also, let me let me say this. So, like, the importance of talking about things, especially in hip-hop where we have... Uh, so. Our, like our fan base regenerates because people come of age and discover hip hop, right? So they're like it's always a continuous new young younger crowd. It's my not uncle like, used to listen to. Yeah, okay, so I'm saying it's not like it's like a, somebody in their fifties like picks up an album and is like oh now I found. I'm like no, it's like a 14, 15 year old, right? And they and they continue and like it's just like when you uh, like it's a young young person's trend hip hop. Like I'm saying, I'm so jealous right? of the twelve year old <laughs> listening to Midnight Marauders for the first time right now. I, listen, I remember being eleven and just like gnawing off to like nods and like discovering the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Right. right. So what I'm saying is is that the other point was the importance of like what you just said, the the Lebanon issue. If I'm 15, I might not even know what that is. But because I heard Lush just talk about it, I might go do research now. See the importance of just bringing up topics when you get the opportunity to have a mic in front of you. It's right. so important right. when you have this following and you owe it to them. 
You know what I'm saying? You owe them to them to like, hey man, if it's really concerning, then yeah, like voting rights issues is a problem. You know, like I should see a tweet. I should see something that kind of says, hey, pay attention. Right, this is going on. But hip hop says nothing. But then again, you right? have to like, we're us being in that position mm-hmm. since our since we yield influence. We need to be educated about what the fuck we're talking Absolute. about. And if we're not, yeah. all we can say at that point is, I care about people. I want the best for people. You should look into this and formulate your own opinion. Yeah, Don't listen to what Lush One says about the Israel-Palestine <laughs> conflict. Yeah. Figure yeah. that shit out for yourself. But just be aware this is happening in about the that world. that there is one. Yeah. Right? And that's what's important. So that's another reason why I, I said, you know what? I'm going to push the show and not, and not so much of it. Because at first, it was like... Who wants an interview? Like it was me yelling at the top of my lungs, trying to interview and anyone and everyone, right? Which was dope. I figured out because I get practice runs and like, right? I tra- it's like training, you know what I'm saying? And when I got MC, get busy from the open mics, gonna be knocking down your door. That, What's that, up with it? So it was really difficult, like uh, at first, to like figure out where I want to do it. And now, luckily, it's it's I can be a little more exclusive. Like, oh, you know what? This is better now, or this person, and I know there's more interviews coming. So I wanted to direct the show in a in a mature direction because, um, well, like I didn't want to fake it. Like I didn't want to pretend to be this super young kid who like knows every rap because I don't. And like it's that's not me, you know. So I'm like, what? How can I provide the realist for me? It was like, well, just um, see which way you can guide. It. And I thought, okay, well, let's be specific about what we talk about. So in 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 these last four years. We've had a couple of deaths in the hip hop community. Absolutely. And I feel that it's important to talk about that so that the community can kind of like breathe and like talk about like what just happened. Thoughts risen past like a month ago, before that, you know, Dice One. It's just like, you know, these things. DMX, MF Doom. MF Doom. So these, and then we don't talk about them. Like there's no way to like release this outlet of like these fans that would never hear a brand new MF Doom song yet. Right, right. It's devastating so these next couple of interviews are really life touching like I felt was like human interest if I was a writer these would be human interest stories that I, want, I like uh, that that I want I to like put that. out you know so Lush One you're a very interesting character to begin with right your story the way, what you've done uh, the way you portray yourself the way you've been portrayed you know what right. I mean? <laughs> um, and you managed to to change courses <laughs> This is 
listen, flip the script, fool, I'm living proof Went from sipping glue, sitting in the living room To success that got me high, I see a different view Got it going on, Suffering drastic, discover this classic at the sideshow, burning rubber and gas, and got the love and the passion. My thugs is out dangling 32 something magic coming up, and I'm smashing. Got it going on, pal. Smile. 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 Let me ask you from the let's go before we get to now let's get it when did you think it started for you like this when did drugs become something enticing so drugs have been a part of my life since i was very very young like i literally remember being in fifth grade when they had dare class and everybody's um were making like little anti-drug Billboards and things like that. We're making little like poster boards. Like uh, Scruff the dog or whatever. Yeah, uh, McGruff, McGruff the crime dog. Yeah. And take a bite out of crime. Take a bite out of crime. <laughs> I remember Dare came to school and they had a big ass briefcase full of drugs, and I hella wanted to do all of them. Just you know? to do it out, just run off. Yeah, that sparked my curiosity. I'm opening like up the trap, bro. Not like so. The only hold on, I'm sorry. You good? The only one that I've ever been really curious is like the worst one because. Whenever I see somebody like shoot up, they look so high. I'm like, yo, listen. Hey, hey, <laughs> this, it, hey I'd be. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're talking to the right guys. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you good. You good. Um, so like, at that moment, like, it's saying like, drugs were intriguing to me. You know, um, growing up in West LA, people grow up really fast. There's an abundance of. Um, of drugs all around us. All right, let's go. Ooh, my goodness. Looks incredible. The lobster rolls just arrived. Thank and you yeah, so they, they look as good as they sound. Thank you guys. And um I was I was I was incredibly intrigued and you know, I started drinking and smoking weed. I was like 11, 12 years old, which, you know, what's funny is I had friends that, that might sound incredibly young, but from where I was at, people had already been doing it. Like, I wasn't even one of the first ones. What Do you remember your first drug? My first drink, I stole some white wine from my parents. So it started with drinking? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it did. I was... 
I started, and before I even smoked weed, I was taking oregano and rolling it up in notebook paper and setting it on fire. And so, and, and so this, you're saying this was like a social, like a guy, you got influence, or like, did we see this at home? Does this like something? It, no, like what's funny is like both of my parents are square as hell. That's what that's my that was what I was wondering when I like saying did your parents it was like what did they think about like that transition and like was that something that was around like so I, I have two older brothers and my oldest brother was already a drug addict in recovery so like he had become a heroin addict he got clean and has been flourishing in life this dude is a ceo of a company now he's killing the game and like he's a, my brothers are a lot older than me my brothers are 12 and 14 years older my parents swear to god i wasn't an accident but the verdict is still out but regardless planned or not here i am um and so at the age of at the age of 12 started drinking and smoking started selling drugs around that same age too started selling pot to other kids in my class got arrested for the first time at 13 for drinking 40s in an alley got um was in juvie by the time i was 16 between 16 and 19 i was in nine different treatment centers and um between the ages of 19 and 37 my life was just kind of like feigned functionality i was able to somehow be very successful and accomplish great things but nothing i've ever done has been at maximum capacity i've never been firing on all cylinders i've just been getting by on the skin of my teeth and i don't even know how i've managed to be as successful as i have by sheer god's will and determination you know what i mean like so what let's say that maybe he well it sounds dumb but what do you you don't think the drugs allowed you to open some kind of like turbines or like mental oh, kind of sure. like for sure it, it sounds like a terrible thing but I'm, I'm talking about let's be real like do you think that maybe helped you get to a creative point and that that you m maybe worry about you won't reach sober like is that Not, well, so that's a good question so for me that was a huge fear of mine yeah. but the reality is like yeah you know drugs will help you you know, popping pills, like doing lines in the studio, and like it will open a certain quadrant of your brain that you might not be privy to otherwise. But also, them drugs be lying to you. Them drugs be lying to you and make you think some shit is fire when it's not. Like my flow, my bars, my content, just every layer of my artistry improved a hundredfold when I stopped. It's crazy. I wasn't. I don't know. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, it definitely uh, helped with creativity at first, like a lot, until it didn't anymore. You know, and it was it was fun as hell, and then it was fun with problems, and then just full on consequences. You know, because we always try to overlook the negative things that come about with the drug use, right? And yeah, we minimize all the damage we've done, too. We, we try to uh, excuse it and, like, rationalize, rationalize, oh, well, I mean, I got fired, but, like, I can get another job, you know what I'm saying? But it's, right. like, your fourth time you've been fired because you can't stop smoking at work or, you, you, you know what I'm saying, like, whatever. And I used to be the guy who was like, you don't smoke marijuana in hip-hop, like... No, 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 like, you know, like, I'm tired of seeing it everywhere, like, it's really bringing down the culture, like, I mean, you know, all that kind of stuff, and, um, I tell people, because marijuana can ruin your life as much as heroin can, and this is what I mean by that. Well, remember when, um, mm -hmm. in NWA, when they said, no, I don't smoke weed or cess. That's right. Because it's known to give a brother brain damage. Right. He, they, they, that was Dre talking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was Dre promoting him not drinking and not smoking. So what I'm saying is, 
let's say you smoke weed. That's all you do. That's all you do. You smoke weed. But you get an accident at work. Now you're getting drug tested. You're getting fired. You're not high now, but you're. It's, you, you just lost your job. You got to go tell, tell that to your wife. You got to try to find another one. If you got kids, you just fuck. There's a lot of ways where simple, innocent things, like or in substances, are can real be real issues. And I know people that genuinely are addicted to marijuana. They want to admit it or not. They have a physical need for this substance at some point. Well, you know, I don't think weed fucks up the average person, right? But me. I have a physical allergy. I can't do anything in moderation. I smoke once and it I wind up if I smoked today, I'd be popping pills by tonight. There's no way around it. That's just the way I'm wired. I don't have the dubious luxury of being chill with it. And you know, what started out as me smoking weed fast forward not to be melodramatic. This is just my story led to me being addicted to cocaine, crystal meth, opiates, um, benzodiazepines, severely alcoholic, um, you know, under investigation by LAPD for crimes that are way outside of my character as a human being. For, you know, had hits on my life by different gangs, had, you know, my parents' crib got shot up, I had so much funk. Like, like it, it's that's how deep it got for me. And these are things that would never happen to me, not to mention being completely estranged from my family, being divorced, um, like having all of my friendships compromised, like having my entire life crumble around me. And, 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 and that's an outsider. Not, not, let's talk about the interior, what it was doing to you physically, right? Oh. Oh, yeah. I was 80 pounds wet and wearing boots. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, there were, there, there's times where, because like I've see, I seen you recently on the Facebook, and I'm like, he looks so much healthier. Like, there's color in his face. You know what I'm saying? And, Complete transformation. And, 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 and it's just, you could tell, oh, he's heading down the path and he's taking it serious. You know what I mean? But the physical aspects, I'm the same way with liquor. Right. So, like, Right now, I was wondering, can I get a scotch or is it, is it kind of early? You know what I'm saying? But I know if I have a scotch now, on the way home, maybe I'll probably pick up a bottle and it's like Tuesday, Wednesday, what day is this? Wednesday, right? I'll kill that bottle, dude. Like, yeah. I will go to town that bottle and I got kids and I wife. Like, I, dude, like, if I, I'm trying to work at, let's just have one drink. I haven't been able to master that. So I understand this need of, you know what, maybe if I'm just going to avoid it because it's just going to lead me down this path that I already don't want to go down, you know. Um, it's such an important thing to vocalize because now there's people that are like, I feel the same way Lush does. God damn it. How did he Absolutely. do it? So Lush, was there a moment? And this is the question I was thinking about because I want to ask you, right? Was there a moment? And do you remember the moment when it was like, this is enough? Like, was there like a, a situation that you were in or a thought or something that happened that you just woke you, shook you out of it to say? Well, it's funny you should say that because this dude was there. <laughs> this dude was there. Um, so I had um, first I was living in a I got divorced in 2018 and uh, that just kind of gave me one less person to be accountable to so I just started going really hard uh, one more uh, Shirley Temple please you get a chance I started by the way these are amazing right life changing I didn't want to interrupt the story but this fucking these are amazing I will fuck this um, so and I was living in an apartment with her but she wound up getting her own spot and my, my house became like a trap house uh, one of my buddies and I rode out to Vegas hit a crazy ass lick 
for we got like a couple kilos we we jacked a couple kilos of heroin and crystal meth and a bunch of other drugs and brought it back and set up shop in my crib and we're like serving but i didn't really like dealing with the, i was used to selling coke i didn't really like dealing with the clientele of crystal meth so i just started doing that shit like which basically would lead to me like you know like obviously like whoa, whoa, whoa you <laughs> slow down here there's a lot a lot of taking you i'll jerk off for you, hours you just make, like doing meth <laughs> He hated the people uh, no, 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 no. that do that shit, bit, so he became that. A little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more. A little bit rewind it just a little bit. You were able to get your hands on yeah. these substances. Copious amounts. And, and your thought was, all these different types of what I'm going to push them out of my house. Yeah. Like not a spa. No. Or like It's like my crib. The crib is Where the I crap. live. Okay. Cause, and your wife wasn't there to like be like, hey. She's gone, yeah. It, so you th- this was a form of self-punishment. Right. You were That's asking. an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. And I, I think it was um, just like, I'm right until the wheels fall off. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't, it's, it's complete self-neglect. And there probably, there definitely is some self-loathing. I think that's something I should examine because I, but I never even saw it from that perspective. That's very To me, it just sounds like, not only is it against, what, what crack rule is that? Don't, which one is it like four if something like don't don't sell for what you live at right what, is, yeah. what does it say number five never sell no crack where you rest at I don't care if they want to ounce tell them bounce that but also it's like you're daring you thank you you're now daring life to come get you because you're just in the worst possible right and you're doing this voluntarily for, as right. best as you know it's a voluntary but the thing is like to me that had already become normalized because I've been living like that I've been like I said selling drugs since I was 12 years old on and off despite anything I've accomplished in the world of hip hop you know um, anything as a curator of events and host and battle rap all that was always secondary to pushing weight on a small scale on a big scale in between that's always it's a huge part of my story and um and that's why I put it in my music so much, but it's not just like on some Rick Ross, like, oh, I just sold a, I just sold a hundred birds. Like what happens like when you get ripped off or what happens when, you know, like you wind up becoming addicted to your own product or what happens when the feds are on you or, you know, your personal relationships are affected by this and like, and you lose all spiritual connection with your true self and like become completely demoralized so that's like what I talk about in my music because that's what happened to me and it's a sadly it's a typical LA story as atypical as my unique experience might be this is this is what happens out here in these streets and um there's millions of cases millions millions like I ain't that special but um so I was that's what was going on um I wound up Shit was just going really. So, so, so that happened. So you, you were you're selling. I got did, really strung did out. Did anything get happened out of out of selling out of your house? Like was there? No, I never like by the grace of God, I didn't get hemmed up or Good. anything, you yeah. know. But I did get very strung out. He, he was snorting lines of meth off toilet seats. Yeah, it was like, and th- th- that's why I like, like the vaccine. Dirty toilet seats. That's why the vaccine is not affecting me. Or you feel me, like. <laughs> So, uh, so, were, so these were were these new substances we hadn't tried yet, and you were just going all out, or were these just like usual, but you just had large quantities of? I had only done crystal with prostitutes before, sure, and I didn't like know yeah. what it was. I thought it was coke usually, but uh, and I had messed with heroin before. I'm not like a intravenous user, but smoking it, things like that. Um, 
but um yeah like never to that extent and i really went crazy with the meth it started playing all tricks all kinds of tricks on me Um, what was happening in our social life at this point Oh, like my friends were starting to catch wind of the fact that I was a dope fiend and like were getting concerned and I was, you know, stealing from my stealing from my own family would like my parents would have to like hide their money and credit cards and stuff when I would go over there because I would steal from them. And um, yeah, I was getting really bad, bro. Yeah, it's getting really bad. Mm-hmm. And um, somehow I managed uh, my current fiance, Marissa, who's been hugely fundamental in saving my life she came into my life around that time and um you know she's she's a fixer she's a helper and i think she saw she saw a a stray dog that needed a home and for whatever angelic reason decided to give me a chance and i was getting evicted eventually from that apartment that i was living in so she moved out she's from philadelphia she moved out here got us a new very nice luxury apartment right on the outskirts of downtown LA in Echo Park it was very dope kind of like one last chance and she's like alright you need to get off drugs and uh, I lied to her and wound up taking the drugs instead of getting rid of them and spending the rent money on the drugs got us evicted again all in the midst of me making that Hyams album which came out earlier this year, which until my next one drops is uh, my greatest piece of work from an artistic standpoint I've mm. ever done. And um, so it's crazy that it was birthed out of such turmoil. But we moved out to Philly and I was coming out to L.A. for just to finish up the record and tie up some loose ends. But also I was trying to get more drugs. I came back out, was working on the album ran out of uh, once I ran out of drugs that time that's when I was like okay it's all bad like and I didn't even want to Rick you you, you tell because you were there so what do you remember because yeah, he, he had already um, been sober for a year and a half yeah I had about a year and a half you were like out of money out of like the plugs wouldn't even sell to you and shit and you were like going through physical withdrawal and um yeah your eyes were just like hollow bro this is the saddest i've ever seen you um, um, is this a specific day that we're talking about when when yeah so this would i would i would say was probably february 1st or like january 31st of 2019 because my sobriety date is february 3rd wow i'm sorry 2020 2020 so you just had a year not too long I have ago. a year and a half in a few days. Very cool, dude. So, uh, so okay. So it was an it was an encompassing thing, and you finally got to this point. Well, yeah, basically, like you know, my homies, um, my fiance, and my. I made a cryptic Facebook post talking about like I need help or something, and then like everyone kind of like descended on me, and I was like, and we're like, you need to go to rehab. You need to go to rehab kind of like convinced me to do it but I didn't want to and then like I was like I I was kind of just agreeing to it to get them off the phone and then as soon as I got high again as soon as I was able to find something and get back on I instantly regretted that decision yeah instantly yeah but then um you know what had one last studio session and um this fool took me into my parents house and then I was on a flight to Texas the next day Super Bowl Sunday 2020 and um 
that was the day that changed my life. He thought he was going to be gone for 30 days. I thought I was going to be gone for 30 days. <laughs> want to be gone for four months and then two additional months in sober living. So I was in Texas for six months. And, um, you know, there's there's different degrees of, of severity of addictions. And me, I needed total immersion, total removal from society. Like, it was a very militarized program that I went to. It's for chronic relapsers. It's not like a little country club rehab or anything like that like i went to a hardcore pound you in the ass sobriety boot camp you feel me um was there a diagnosis given to you like what are they what do they label you as i'm a drug addict so that's just clear and cut there's there's no psychological attachment to that like they don't say hey maybe you have some kind of obsession blah 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 blah, or like cdc i mean i've been diagnosed with so many different things over the years. I think okay. anybody that's a alcoholic or addict has other mental health shit going on. Anxiety. Or depression. an emotional strain, right? For sure. So, not never been to Bipolar, one. manic, all that. That's what I'm saying. Severe anxiety, PTSD. And it's us trying to treat it, and then it just gets out of hand. And a lot of the Very times... Very astute observation. A lot of, that's, that's all it, it is, yeah. That's it. A we know... The, so, hold on, sorry. We know something's wrong. Yes. And then we go to our parents, and they're like, oh, shit, I'll give you a Whatever. Right. And so how do I fix it? Well, let me smoke someone, whatever. That's They seem happy. They remove the homie. And it just continues to get out of hand, right? It gives you a sense of identity, a sense of well-being. Welcome of welcoming and belonging to a group that does this. Yeah. And they right. all talk like that. So let's mimic that. A hundred percent. Like even before I was like drinking 40s, I thought that shit looked so tight from watching videos. I was like taking fucking like... Perrier, like the big green Perrier bottles, and emptying them out, and like pouring like Miller Lite into them those, to make my own. Those 40s. are role models. You're mimicking your role models. I'm sorry, bro. I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying. A lot of the times, doctors like misdiagnose it too, yeah. right? And they'll be like, "This person's bipolar." <laughs> like I'm speaking from experience. Like I got diagnosed as bipolar at 16, and all this other shit. And later on, I come to find out it was really addiction. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? And I was exhibiting like all the side effects of like a, a active user. You know what like I mean? Like you're not bipolar. You're just doing meth and. Xenics. I'm smoking crack and so doing ecstasy me- every <laughs> yeah. weekend. You so know? you're not gonna feel great, bro. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. understandable. Um, what is the misconception someone might have about these kind of treatment programs that you maybe you want to clarify so that they wouldn't be so? Um, I think that it's different because you know people people think that twelve step programs. They think that. Um, rehabs and all that are brainwashing and they're a cult and the truth is this they are but I'm willingly sipping that Kool-Aid because that Kool-Aid saved my motherfucking life if you want to change your life if you if you are willing to to relinquish control and try something else than you've already been doing that's that's the only way because here's the thing um, treat like for everybody that gets sober, it's tries to get sober. It's less than a 1% success rate. 1%? Less than 1% success rate. If you are, um, if you go to treatment, it's less than 5%. If you go to the treatment center I do, it's a little bit higher. It's like close to 8 or 10%. I've seen an even lesser percentage for uh, opiate users yeah. and alcoholics. 100%. Those are like the two. Yeah. So, but... If you do what it says in that 12-step book, you know what I'm saying? If you follow that program to a T, if you... 
take direction and are willing to put your ego aside, if I'm willing, because I don't like to give advice, this is if I'm willing to do that, I have a 100% chance of staying sober. Because here's the reality, cons. Here's the grim reality. I'm gonna relapse. It's not a matter of if I'm gonna relapse. It's a matter of when I relapse, unless I continue to work this rigorously honest, spiritually-based program. That's the only thing keeping me sober. <clears throat> what? Where does God stand now in the life of Lush? And this is something that I was wondering because I had heard you went to rehab, and I was, and I not ever been there. General steps are like you find like an entity or something like that. You give yourself to right. that, like you. It's a form of trust. I'm. I'm guessing like it's a form of trusting life to be okay and that you kind of stuff but it, is, it, is it specifically do they say turn to God like is it religion? a higher power of uh-huh. your understanding okay. so for me like I was raised my mom's Catholic I was raised you know Christian Catholic um, God is everything to me and um, I fully believe in God but that's another misconception about that program people like when people think about it as a cult they're like oh this is like some all-consuming religious thing and you need to like worship god and it's not that's not the case at all Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like here i look at it like this let's say i don't know if god exists or not but if god were to exist what traits would i envision god to have well i'd like to think that god would be loving god would be caring God would be accepting, God would be present, tolerant, forgiving, you know what I mean? And if I embody these traits that I would believe God to have, that I am being the best version of myself and being a better person and contributing more to society and life around me than taking from it, then I'm doing all I can. And that's all I could ask for, you know? And and that's that's God in and of itself. Me talking to you right now, the three of us being here, this is God. Look at that. Look at that ocean. Look at those palm trees in the wind. You feel me? That's God. So to me, that's how I envision it. And it's nothing but positivity. And I do more things out. Like, yeah, when I first got clean, my, my life was very consumed by my sobriety and the program. But now... I did all that so I could actually have a life. Like, I could go anywhere. My homies still smoke weed. I got homies that still sell dope. I'm still doing the same. They're still doing the same shit. I could be around them and I don't have to do it. You know what I mean? And I could still go out, enjoy myself, do the most, live the best life that I've ever lived, and actually be present and cognizant of what's going on. Not like the last time I talked to you in person and I'm upside down on the couch, you feel me? Like, literally. I, I remember thinking... That sounded worse than it was, but <laughs> you know what I meant. It was pretty close, because um, I remember thinking, like, damn, Lush killed, like, like three blunts, right? A whole bottle of Henny. Like, dude, like a bottle. Like, like either it's just like... And, and, um, and I'm sure some... You know, yeah, I was popping pills. And, and, and I remember asking him, like, Lush, you literally just like... Yeah, I, I, I told him exactly what he did. Like, what are you doing? Like, how are you walking around? He's like, you know what he said? It's bro, I'm a rock star. <laughs> and Lush is a rock star. And and it felt kind of weird to be like, oh, yeah, that's cool, bro. When I really wanted, didn't know you that well, I would have right. been like, hey, man. Get some help, dude. <laughs> you know, uh, not, I don't like to bring the God topic up because I don't want to sway people one way or another. Right. I find that 
God is probably closer to what you're saying. In reality, if we're being honest and real, it's probably more of a God exists because you exist kind of thing. It's not it's, it's not some dude in the sky with a beard? No. People want to point at God like a gun. Like, I'm going to solve this problem and God's going to, like, like the answer to it or everything. And when it's like, that helps you, that helps you get to the answer you're looking for. That's God. I agree. That's not going to fix it. God, if he was real, he doesn't care that you got your land took in. He doesn't give a shit about that. He's a no. God. He's worried about God stuff. If he's real. I come, I, so right? I come to God from a place of gratitude. I don't ask God for anything. I thank God for everything. I think you, you I'm, I, th- I think maybe uh, it's you humbling yourself. Because you're, 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 by saying there's a God, you're, uh, you're immediately announcing you are not the biggest there's thing in the world. There's something more important than me. So now it, and I understand the benefits of it. What I think what has happened is we've just convinced ourselves so much where we've actually given God like human characteristics. Right. When in reality it's like, listen, it, help it, help the crutches to help you get what you're going, but you're supposed to heal. Like you're, you're supposed to look for the reality in life and be present in the moment and not be convinced that someone else is going to take care of it for you. Like, that's not the way things work. It's a, it's a energy and frequency that's, that's it. that you can't deny. Like, right. my higher power is nature, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the stars and, like, it's right there in front of your eyes. Right. You know what I mean? You can't deny that shit. And, and there is a, and let's get deep, but there is a kind of, like, at some point there was nothing, like gases and all that right. shit. Let's go back, nothing. Okay. That, that became this right and it happened without somebody molding it and folding it and creating it that's how complex the reality that we live in gases became humans and talking and t- podcasts and hip hop that right. came out of nowhere and there was not a dude that built a guy that did it that's not the way it worked life found a way you know what I'm saying there's, there's reality and, and I don't that. claim to have an under, an overstanding of that you yeah, feel me yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm but a mere man out here in these streets. You feel and, me? And when, I, I, not to speak for you, but I think when you're high or drunk, whatever, that you feel this invincibility, the sense of like, so you're comfortable with where you are, so it makes you feel like you're okay the way you are. When in reality, being comfortable is like the worst thing for a male. Yeah, it's, to it's be. It, 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 you become beyond complacent. You become stagnant. Because you know? what you're doing is, and you're you're so complacent, you're saying I can be drunk right now, really hot, and not worry about what life brings to me because I'm this big when in reality like bro you can't walk around super high all the time right people are noticing whether they're telling you or not your mom is noticing your girl's noticing work is noticing people are, are looking at you and you're like the hell's happening here you know the most rock star thing I could possibly do is go against the grain and stop doing what everybody expected me to do which is continue to just deteriorate myself you know what I mean and melt away like the wicked witch what a world what a world you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah like that's the most rock star thing I could possibly do right because that's going against the grain that's being a true rebel that's being original and people at a certain point were completely they they that's what they expected from me like people wanted and I felt this like twisted obligation like people want to see me fucked up with my nostrils mm. glazed and they want to like who I can't deny doing a drink or doing a line or smoking a blunt or whatever with somebody because that's gonna 
dip or their experience. That's like asking Beyonce a picture at the car wash and she says no. Lush One has to do a line with you. Which is probably why celebrities seem to be assholes when they're caught on camera. Because otherwise they have to dance every time they see someone. So they're better just not, you know, I don't want to interfere with your Because you as a, you know, you you think if that would have happened, you think, well, Lush doesn't like his fans or Lush is nothing like that. So you're like, okay, well here, I'm down there. This is the Lush One, you know. And I'm not famous enough to lose fans like that. (laughs) (laughs) But the true fans have stuck with you. Absolutely. And they're the ones who are always hoping to, I I wish I could call Lush and like maybe just tell him to chill the fuck out for a little. Right. You know what I'm saying? But uh, now that you have- All tweet, IG, all that. Now that you're here in in this recovered state, what is one of the things that has changed from because of the sober sobriety that you didn't expect to change? It's a great question. Um, I, I'd be curious to hear Riggy's answer to that too. Um, for me, the number one thing is the relationship with my family. You know, like I, it was so, it had gotten so ugly and dark, and like, and now I'm able to, like, I don't need anything from my parents. But they, if I did, they'd be quicker to help me now than ever in my life. When the times when I didn't deserve it and was fucked up and would go to them with my hand out because I had just blown 20 Gs on some stupid shit or whatever, this or that, and be like, yo, I need, and they'd be like, oh, like, if I helped you now, I would be destroying your life because I know what you're going to do. And like, even if they would want to help me, but now they're like, they embrace me in a way I feel like an actual part of my family not just some strange parasite that comes around and yeah. you know sucks them dry paws being a parent of a six year old and a 14 year old girl she wasn't an accident six year old <laughs> gorgeous family you have thank you thank your you. wife and, and daughter incredible and they are the reason why I keep myself in check you know what I'm saying but, but what, what I was what I was getting to was like just the little things that they do that makes me so proud. I can't imagine the way your parents look at you now, knowing that you're genuinely and honestly giving it like a legitimate chance to work. Like you're right. in it full, and they can see it, and that's why they approach you, or that's why they, they treat you now in this way of like, okay, he's he's genuinely trying. It's not like by helping him by any little bit. I'm and look, my parents are in their late seventies. They wow. need to just chill out yeah. for the rest of their life. Yeah. They don't shouldn't have to worry about no. anything. Yeah. I want to give them more grandchildren. I want to. My mom is starting to get dementia. You know, mm. I don't want her last memories of me to be causing confusion and you know what I mean and fear. Mm. I hate to say it, but I know for a fact I've taken years off of my mother's life by the amount of stress that I've put her through. Mm. And I need to I need to put positivity into the universe to change that. I need to be a living amends for what I've done. Because I can't take back that time. I can't take back that pain. All I could do is be the best version of myself for her, for my father, for my brothers, for my fiance, for all my homies, for the hood, moving forward. And that's that. Yeah, when we do these things to ourselves, we don't think about the people. They're very selfish in nature. See, that's that's not right either. No, that's absolutely no, correct. Well, yeah, but it, it's 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 really like I say, it's a my, misdiagnosis that you're trying to fix yourself. So no, we're drug addicts are the most selfish people in the yeah, fucking that's world. That's like our default mode. Yeah, is, I, I guess so. I guess ultimately you're trying to be nice, but well, no, no, no. I guess ultimately it is it is selfishness. Um, 
that you can't help at some level that I think you gotta start we gotta start looking at people that do drugs not as bad people as in like hey this person is doing drugs why the mental health that we ignore in this country go and go down skid row that's oh, mental health issues that we've ignored and those homeless people you know why it's gotten to this point because when we look at these homeless people we choose to ignore them because that's us right we right. allow that why was there one homeless person at one point right the minute we as a human saw one homeless person we should have been like whoa why are you and, and what was he he was a wino I don't what yeah I, for sure I, you know guaranteed right for sure but, but all I'm saying is like there's, uh, uh, oh now there's 10 the city's like oh it's cool now there's 50 oh I don't know there's now there's thousands entire districts and thousands of, of people that don't want to be there regardless of well what about the people that are homeless by choice listen this is a mental health issue that we're going through and ignoring and now LA is drowning in just like what do we do with them or why are there people can you arrest them well you can't do that like mental and it's coming back and knocking on our doors and then right? county jail is a revolving door yeah. right and they're just in and out in and out in and out back to skid row and the taxpayers pay for that shit and then you and have we, and we both right. know that as people that have been incarcerated but but the because we've both been locked up but but here's the thing what you're saying is right I, I feel like we do need sympathy but ad, as addicts we tend to hide behind that sympathy mm. and it when we the most important the cornerstone of my recovery is accountability and if i don't have that if i'm not accountable i have nothing very deep no, I like that, Lush. No, no, you're right. Accountability is what's missing in, the, in our culture and our society. And also, I'm not against judging. Like, dude, judging helps people stay in line so much that it's it's an important part of society. You need to be judged so that you know how to handle being judged. And I can, you can kind of express, hey, man, socially, we don't go around without our shoes in this in restaurants. Right. Put some fucking shoes on. Oh, it's, put some shoes on. See what I'm saying? Oh, you, you got the invisible Balenciagas on? I see you. Keeps everybody in check. <laughs> a little bit of shaming. I'm all for it. But self-reliance, right, is something that's so important to learn and not in substances, or in, but in yourself, right? Right. So what kind of reflection exercises do we do now? Is there something in particular that we start a day with? or? Uh, interesting you said that. Um, so what I do... I start off my day ideally because thank you so much I, I don't do it as much as I should and this, and this comes back to the rigorous honesty and accountability like I ideally on a daily basis start off with prayer and meditation and writing a gratitude list that's what I do every day and at the end of the day reflecting on my day what's it um how was i resentful today because if i dig deep enough there's some if it could be one moment when like i smiled at someone they didn't smile back at court could be very serious oh somebody fucking uh you know owes me two thousand dollars but they haven't paid me yet it could be something you know what i mean or like how was i resentful today how was i dishonest today um how like you catch I'm sorry because I'm trying to you're catching these small instances so that they don't become bigger 100% just mm. like and writing that down and and logging that yeah writing because when I, I acknowledge it and then I take the power away from it when I write that down you know and like and that right there that's, that's like exercise it's an accountability exercise because it's keeping me my awareness and who I am and what I need to do it's keeping those senses strong mm. Keeping, keeping your defenses intact because you're not having too much of a 
ne- a strong negative emotion. You're, you're tackling it when it's small so that right. it doesn't maybe lead to you wanting to ease it, right? With- well, 100%. Like, because uh. the thing is this, like, things like resentments, mm. if I let those get out of control, that's what makes... You sure? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's what makes drug addicts use. Mm. That's what makes us relapse. Yeah. Is that, literally, in and of itself. You're looking for the excuse to relapse, right? Oh, yeah, there's a million excuses. And you're like, oh, that guy pissed me off. You know what I need? I need to go drink something. Or there, she, he cut me off. Oh, I gotta go smoke something to cool down. Right, so, yeah. So, oh. He cut me off. Let me go smoke some crack real quick. <laughs> and then even if you don't use over it, like, yeah. like I could completely destroy my life sober, too. Like, I can act out in other ways. I can sure. just go around and fight motherfuckers, catch a new case sober. Yeah. Or, like, act out sexually with these women yeah. like in nine months I have five five kids uh-huh. you know what I mean like I can completely ruin my life sober sober it, but, but it's still and then eventually because you're of, just not going to care anymore because you won't have a I, life and then I'm it. ultimately going to use drugs again well, I'm saying it's because ultimately you're, you're still trying to get you're like well, I'm sober and life still sucks so I might as well just be high right isn't that what you're trying that's to convince it. yourself of it? that's 100% mm-hmm. what, 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 what we call that is the mental obsession a relapse doesn't start when I have a bag of coke in front of me a relapse starts in the morning when i'm not doing my daily disciplines Mm. when i'm not working a program when i'm not going to meetings when i'm not doing what i need to do to nurture my sobriety as soon as i stop doing that that's the beginning of a relapse it sounds like honesty is like the base that you have to try to follow because if you it it begins with honesty so let me ask you this sobriety's like it's owning a Tamagotchi pet if you don't feed that (laughs) motherfucker yeah yeah I get it (laughs) see only Lush can connect a 2002 (laughs) keychain if if you don't if you don't water a plant if you don't water a plant it's gonna die that's where I would've gone but Lush but Lush is like listen man (laughs) you ever heard of the Nintendo glove you gotta be like that glove bro you gotta control it all that's it that's it Oh shit! Uh, what I was gonna ask? Okay. Thank you guys. Appreciate you, my guy. Honesty being, you have to you have to be honest with yourself in the situation that you're in, and that has to be a constant in this. The program. Period. Let me let me ask you about this. So the this is a, the program prepares you for the fact that you will relapse. Like, do they tell you, listen, it's gonna happen, and this is what happens at this moment, or do they pro- not promise you, but is it like it won't happen if you follow these? That's essentially what it is. Like, mm. if you, like, you're gonna relapse unless you do this. You know what I mean? It's like here here here's a good analogy. Mm-hmm. This is something Caddy used to say a lot, and I had borrowed it from him all the time. So. um Thank you. Um, let's say you got a diagnosis and your dick was going to fall off. All right? Yeah, I'm listening. Your dick's going to fall off. 100% <laughs> your, dickless, your dickless Dave is going to fall off. Sure. The only thing you can do to save your dick is read this book and follow what this book says. Are you going to read the book and do what it says? I'm going to memorize that You're book. You're going front to back, <laughs> the glossary, the table of contents. Yeah. You're going to learn all the intricacies of that shit. Yeah. Or else, you know, for the sake of your dick. So what about the sake of your life? <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't appreciate my life the way that I appreciate that. And this is, I'm not right. saying me. No, no, The no, person no, no. you would say I that you. doesn't know it. But the thing is that for some reason, they don't appreciate... I have never been the most important person in my life. Right. I, that's still the case to me. I am not the most important person. In my, the most important person in my life would be like my kids, my wife, my mommy, like them. And I think a person, an, an addict, kind of feels that they have zero importance. And 
it's kind of hard to to tell them, hey, will your dick will fall off, and what about your life? And they're like, well, I don't give a shit about my life. So it's not like a thing for them to like well, hold it's on like to, this, right? Dude, like a, you're on an airplane and there's turbulence and the oxygen mask gets deployed. What is it? What do they say? You got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before assisting others. Mm. So if you're not right, how are you being like? You, me not taking care of myself or I'm concept right now me concept not taking care of myself is neglecting my daughter is not caring about my daughter I'm basically essentially saying fuck my family mm. you know what I mean because I'm not taking care of myself so who's going to be there to take care of to take care of her nobody so mm. it's not even about like that's not even caring about our, myself in that instant is not even being selfish that's the most selfless I can do to anyone that's dependent on me to anyone that cares about me it's way bigger than me and now you have the weight of that to help you stay sober or stay in line knowing that absolutely uh, see there's a lot of awakening that needs to happen for this to, to really like work for you lush and, and i can't tell anybody what's going to work for them or how to get sober i'm here if anyone's listening to this and is struggling and curious you can hit me up on social media whatever i talk to people literally several people every day mm -hmm. it's been thousands of people that mm -hmm. i've spoken to like tens of thousands since i've gotten clean and a lot but i can't tell you how to get sober i can tell you what happened with me and how it worked for me mm -hmm. you could use what you think applies and if it don't you feel me like you don't even need to worry about it mm -hmm. but that's all all i know is this is what i need from my life for my recovery mm -hmm. for my future for my sanity mm. it's very cool lush I'm with yes, you, bro. Sir, no, I know, I know you're gonna do well uh, with your friends and, and your family around to support you and, and your fan base that just wants to just wants more lush, wants you to stick around a lot longer. Um, I appreciate you being so open, man. I think I think it's gonna be a, this episode's gonna hit home with a lot of people. I hope so. I, I mean, ultimately, that's why I did it. I'm like, look, if lush can can move on we can get move on like we, there's ways to heal and mature in hip-hop it doesn't have to be the same repetitious right. thing like people can grow you know what i'm saying and, and and you know what like you listen to our music like we ain't on some fucking save the whales we are the world shit we still <laughs> the same grimy motherfuckers right right right, right, right it's just like we're just a little bit better at expressing it have you been able to do something now that you weren't able to do while you were like under that state like I don't know like go climb a mountain or like, like some of you you know like that you didn't do then yeah you know what I do now what I eat <laughs> <laughs> I fucking eat Ooh, okay. like I'd rather be chunky than a junkie you feel me amen like I, I, amen. I, I was down to like 140 some odd pounds yeah like I did not eat that's <laughs> right now like I, it's crazy just yes you find yourself like actually consuming food now like yeah <laughs> Yes, nutrients, sustenance. Yeah, yeah no it's doubt. Insane. And, and you, 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 what, what is it? One of the new, 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 new dish since you've been like, what, what dish is like? Okay, this is my go-to. I gotta go get at this. I just, you know, I like to. I'm present. I, I've lived a very rich, fulfilling life, but now I'm here for it. Yeah. I could absorb it. Yeah. I could enjoy. So, so Lush likes the finer things in life. I do. Okay. I do. All right. I like that. But I'll, st but I'll still, you know, I'll, I'll still come to your barrio and fuck up some street tacos. Some street. Oh, you got to. You feel me? You got like, so got to keep it funky. I also wanted to kind of lighten out the mood and just ask you, like, a, you know, the last year's been crazy. Pandemic was. Yes, sir. Ski. Crazy bananas. The election. That one, yeah. that's insane. What is, do you have thoughts about those things? Where do you see them now? What perspective do you have on 
like the pandemic and well, so so i think that the biggest thing that i um can derive from all that is because so many people were at home and were dwelling on social media that all these topics are so divisive and a huge distraction from my mental health and my overall growth as a person be consumed with all these things that are beyond my control um i will say this i traveled i ran the king of the dot tournament with my brothers uh, from kotd um hosting rap battles in all across the country la new york and back and uh, put out my record done shows all kinds of shit and the pandemic did not affect me at all in that mm-hmm. regard. I'll say that. So read between the lines on how you want to take that. Wow. You feel me? Yeah. Um, as far as the election, I mean, do any of us really trust any of these old white motherfuckers with suits on <laughs> telling hella lies? Like, yeah. Come on. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. But I also want people to think about stuff. So I don't, I don't, Absolutely. I don't like to give dismissive like everyone, you know no, absolutely. And, and, and if you if you're telling me all about verse to talk no, about, no, no, not at all. Look, I'm glad. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, COVID was real. Obviously, COVID's real. Yeah. I think that um, <laughs> there's a lot of corporate interests that capitalize off of it and blew it out of proportion. And mm. there's a lot of fear mongering going on. Mm. That's not to take away from the reality of the situation mm-hmm. or to try to undermine it because I know it's real and I know that people are affected by it. Mm-hmm. I have people in my. Um, family that are immune compromised that would die if they got something way less severe than that yeah, so, yeah. so I totally understand and I'm not um, trying to downplay that but at the same time people was fucking capitalizing off of it and but, but, all I'm saying is so whenever I, I a I, lot of bullshit the way the way my mind works is uh, someone once taught me when you're thinking you think of it as a ladder so like uh, keep going up the ladder is more abstract. Keep going down the ladder is more specific. Right. And then if you're going way one way, you're 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 just gonna get lost in the conversation. Hundred percent. So I'm saying is just go, go down the ladder a little, get a little bit more specific. Okay. What I what I want to point out is the how unprepared the most powerful country in the world was to deal with a pandemic of this status. And what I mean with this status is that the one excuse they give you or the one thing they always throw at you is like, it's less than 1% of people that died. And I said, yes, and it stopped the complete world, bro. Everybody in the world fucking panicked. No one knew what to do. And it's imagine it been 1% of everybody well, died. Well, here, here's the thing, no dude. One, people, no one would have left their house, dude. It had been you got, anarchy. You got, you're right. And you got, um... You know, it's not the it's not the po- politicians that run this country. It's it's not the deep state. It's way more than that. You're talking about like certain deeply rooted old money corporate interests. That's like yeah. there's families yeah, yeah, yeah. that benefit and make trillions of dollars yeah. off of things like this. There's bloodlines so, that bloodlines. have inherited bloodlines. certain responsibilities and and, and and infrastructure that they try to run in this archaic right. kind of you, way. You know, bi- fucking Bilderberg group type shit yeah, that's yeah. beyond most of our us in society's basic um, we can't even comprehend it. Okay, so so having said that, what do you do you think they had a hand in it? Do you think Hell it was a yeah. maneuver, a distraction? Like what do you think happened? The richest country in the world wasn't prepared for it. Yes, they were. It manifested exactly the way they wanted it to. Yes, but I also think and unfortunately we had management at the time of the con- that was disregarding the, the oh, existence yeah. because it looked bad on paper. 
So once we got adults that actually cared about the situation, things got better down the line. But in the meantime, in those four years, we had someone who like, or during the pandemic, someone was in charge that didn't want it to be real because the numbers reflected bad on him. So testing was down. So because, so the minute that happened, he left. What did they do? Just up testing anywhere and everywhere that you can test, test people. And beyond him, his whole administration, like, because you know, at the end of the day, he's just a damn puppet. He's a face, you feel me? But the agendas behind him, obviously they see how this is benefiting people and people are going to get rich off of this that need Opportunist to. attached himself to him because he was so popular that the bills and whatever it is, is going to pass because you, you're not going to talk shit on yeah, Trump. He's going to get you on Twitter, right? Obviously, I don't fuck with Trump. Right. Or don't be such lawyers to any political party is my whole point. It's like, I'm not That's a what Democrat. I'm saying, I don't, I don't think this fool Biden's really... I, I don't yeah. even know if he can stay awake. Like, <laughs> Like the, oh, look, all like, I know is I'm outside lush and I don't have to wear a mask. For and, sure, which and, is fire. And, and that's going to go under Biden. So I don't yeah. know what to tell you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. All I know is that, you know, like, what is it? 50% of the country is not vaccinated. In like in like less than six months of his presidency. Bro, Trump I didn't I, do I, none I of that. I would have voted, like, voted for Corky from Life Goes On <laughs> over Donald Trump. If it would have. You feel yeah, me? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. Like, I still don't <laughs> think that this old, decrepit, decaying ass white yes. is going to be the savior. But he's. Definitely, just not Trump, which is fire. A lot better. You feel uh, me? But you, but but it doesn't matter if it was Democrat or anything. What I tell people is, there's no reason. The person you hired to do a job is not your savior. He's hired, he was voted to do a job for four years, yeah. not to be your lifelong leader that you pray and hold everything to. That's yeah. a ridiculous way to look at a politician. Well, that, that's why. That's why you've never. There wasn't a sensation, a phenomenon known as Obamaism. You know, there's Trumpism because it created this crazy cults. Well, without getting too specific, it's just it's a re- he's a representation of distrust in the government and in other people of racism and, and prejudice he's he's a manifest a walking talking manifestation and that person that thinks the way i think is going to get the most important job in the land because we're going to vote him in and we're going to stick with him because he's me he's th- that racism that's that guy that prejudice that's him and he has the most like you know you're going to fight hard to make it and real. that in and of <laughs> itself like is a great concept yeah. you feel me no pun intended yeah. but the problem is the way that it manifested and like the misguided followers pushing this like line of oh like insensitive it's one thing to like be hypersensitive is another thing to be an asshole and a racist which a lot of these people that were supporting him turned out to be yeah you know like yeah. i'm not I, i'm i'm against censorship i'm against all that shit but at the same time the inverse of that like when you just have like oh i could just like walk down the streets yelling racial slurs at people like well, is that better exactly. In what reality is so that before better? is what i tell people at least people reserve the, just the minimal basic human decency to be racist at home like at least it was reserved for that or you had a mask on like at least you didn't walk around with a tiki torch yelling replace the jews will not replace Feeling us comfortable about it. And, ch- and on national television bro those people did not know at least, but that decency that basic human this fool said proud boys stand back and stand by and like <laughs> Like what? <laughs> and and I could forgive Come a lot. On, and this is what I'm gonna tell you, Lish. I could forgive all that. The racism is most happy. Okay. You don't storm the Capitol. Yeah. Now listen, anyone and everyone that's a fucking American should be appalled and should just 
these people should be you know what I'm saying like dude this is not a third world fucking country this is the United States of America and you storm the fucking capital are you out of your fucking mind in the mind? name of patriotism Get, are you insane that's like the most ironic part in the name of being patriotic you commit treasonous actions that is the that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard and undefendable how do you defend it but the dude the, the things the right are doing now is it's such an amazing thing because history is going to remember these things. That, Let they, me ask you this. Since when yeah. did the wacko conspiracy theorists become right wing? I remember when it was far mm. left that was that yeah. way. Yeah. And then they went so far on the spectrum that they're now now the right wing people are the conspiracy Accusing theory. you of the same thing that you were accusing. That it's, we're old he, enough to remember the inverse. <laughs> it is such an important thing to keep a foot at. And I mean as adults now. Of politics right. I think it's important For you to kind of Understand who's running shit And why Because you do Have a vote And if and if you really trust In in, in, a, in this country Lish, Where you Were able to make All these thousands of dollars Meet all these thousands of fans get, Fuck all these thousands of, Do whatever right. you want In this country That's allowing You should kind of know What's happening At some level I feel 1000% And like to me Like conceptually I love this country um, It's the hypocrisy that it was founded on yeah. doesn't sit right with me. Right. You know, this isn't even like we're in Mexico right now. Mm. We're not even in. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. America. This isn't California. It's Califas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this isn't even our. So that don't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. What we, what this country built on the back of slavery. You know, mm. transcontinental slavery, bringing slaves from Africa. That don't sit right with me. Right. And uh, a lot of the administrative aspects of it to this day don't sit right with me but the fact that the mere fact that I can sit here and say that is what this country is founded on and that to me is beautiful because if this was in China I'd be getting hemmed up right now for even saying what I just said and it's easy to jump on a bandwagon and start you know disrespecting the US or talking ill when when in reality and actuality you and me happen to live in the best state in the best country at the best time in human history period right now okay a hundred years ago no oh yeah this is the most peaceful time in human history by a significant margin and it needs to be appreciated and you got you need to sh- you need to have we some- don't compare this to the dark ages or you want to take it back to the old days of feudal Japan don't even do that Dude, take an airplane take an airplane ride and say what you just said in North Korea or in Russia or in Iran or in Afghanistan good luck good. we won't make it out this people will rat us out that's what I'm saying. People would rat us out because they don't want to be affiliated with someone who speaks that that way. Right. In America, I have the right to run around with my little machine and ask questions and the freedom of the press freedom. And that's important to appreciate is what I, my whole point. Because you, I understand the difference of when we had it good and how we have it bad and how easy it is, apparently, to, for the country to sway in one direction and sway in another. It can, it can happen. It it is is, you're insane, right. It is insane, dude. But at the end of the day, to bring it back to what you're speaking on even before that, mm-hmm. I cannot sacrifice my spiritual health, my yes. mental health. Yeah. By obsessing about things that are essentially beyond my control. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. Very cool. Yeah, you're right. So there's a a level of like, I need me. I need to focus on me now. I'm not so focused on on that stuff, which is important. It's beyond focusing on me. It's, It's yes, to a degree, absolutely. But it's focusing on connecting with people and the world and being of service in a tangible way that's right in front of my face as opposed to... Just be getting lost in 
divisive dialogue, which is going to do nothing but be deconstruct as opposed to build bridges. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Before we before we, we call it quits, uh, let's talk about music a little bit. Let's go. <clears throat> what do we got going on? What is happening? And I'm asking us, Lush One, the artist. So, um, I'm signed to uh, buy my own imprint with my fiance and her brother John called Snowcone Records, which is a subsidiary of Sony Orchard and Who Mag Distribution under Rob Schwartz. Rob's an incredible uh, A&R from back in the day, was the original dude that signed Mob Deep, J. Ru the Damager, Blase Blah, oh, blah. Yeah. deeply rooted in, uh, you know, 90s boom bap. So he liked my aesthetic because that's like the cornerstone of my sound, my yeah. music, obviously. Um, so my Hyams album did really well um, I got my new project Horatio Ski Resort uh, produced by Chase Moore which is coming out I have a project with Mikey D from Main Source that we're working on um, that's coming out soon I got my, my project with Briggy Mars Dead End Kids Nod Street is the name of the project we're working on that as well I have a single produced by Dark Summers called Saint Eyes that's coming out soon. I have a project with Body Bag Ben also in the works. So I'm um, staying very active on the audio and visual realm of this L.A. Noir audio cinema reality based gritty style of sample based lyricism punchline heavy hip hop. Mm, I like that. I enjoy I, I always enjoy a good uh, lush track. You know what I'm saying? There's, Appreciate there, there's a There's a lot of stuff happening at once on the track. I, I really enjoy that. Uh, King of the Dot. Battle yeah. rap. Where are we at with them? Where do so, we stand? Uh, what is happening? King of the Dot, we got a, a deal with Twitch right now. Um, so we're in the midst of our S1, the first ever battle rap season. Four divisions. Atlanta, LA, Detroit, Jersey. 12 rappers in each division $100,000 cash prize Ooh. Every other weekend yeah. Holding it down It's going crazy Yeah And where do we catch that Or how's that happening You catch that on Twitch.tv Slash King of the Dot mm -hmm. New battles every Sunday So you're, it's, we're in the midst Of the first season we had, yeah, So we're in the midst Of the first season We did a Grand Prix Last year yeah. For $50,000 A dope uh, battler Named Saint From Inglewood yeah. Won it You feel me yeah. In his early 20s yeah. Killing the game yeah. So now we got a now we're doing an entire season. It's three every every rapper battles three times, and uh, the best records advance to the playoffs. Yes, yeah, it's just like the damn World Cup in this bitch. Where's it ending? Are we holding it like in one specific spot at the end? Let's just say we're gonna roll the dice <laughs> and let you know when it's time for that roulette wheel to uh, stop. Oh, okay. A uh, bet, 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 bet on that, bet on that. Uh, Lush, real quick, having been around all these battle rappers from a very young stage yes, in sir, all sir. of their careers which cat I don't and not like a father but are you proud of the most and, and I mean like just cause he's done he's you know like yeah man what, I mean yeah, like yeah. you know I'd be remiss to say anybody else besides disaster you know um, when I booked first I met Diz by battling him and then when I uh, put him on his first major battle of the modern era to see the amount of growth he, you know, Diz has battled in. He's like the, the face of battle rap culture. He's battled in 
five different continents. No, he is. He's battled yeah, cannabis. Sure. He yeah. battled Cassidy. Yeah. He's, you know, he like. He got cannabis? Yeah. Oh, I'm you, just yeah, kidding. Of course. I know you've seen that. I know a piece of your childhood died that day. Oh. But shouts to Biz. That's my man. Where do you get. Where do you get. Where do you get it that? Where do you get one that big? I want to know where, where you get a notebook that big. Like, like why you need the why you feel the need to get it that big? That's an Why not just have like multiple notebooks? That was Andre the Giant's notepad. Why? And then and then like you know like he had his custom order. George Mura right? says notepad, <laughs> but like not like uh, yeah. Diz. I'm so incredibly proud yeah. of what he's been able to accomplish yeah, and just the absolutely. fact that battling in different languages and different across the so many different spaces and lives that he's touched um, you know do you have maybe a favorite battle that you've been a part of as a as a curator and host yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of them um, there's a lot I think that um, one of the best battles to this day was um Hollow the Dawn versus Pass. You know, Hollow the Dawn from Queens. Yep. Pass from Oakland. That was at in, a, in the early stages of the modern era of battle rap back in 2009. And uh, there's just an infectious, undeniable energy that you can't even describe. That's that, that To me, that's like the golden era of battle rap. Like the way the 90s is for hip hop, for mm. battle rap culture. Yeah. That time was, the, that's the golden era. That's cool. So that one in particular comes to mind. That one comes to mind always. To me. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I thought the disaster DNA battle was. That's a great one too. Incredible to see them. Tell the fucking long though. It was, and, but that's Diz though. Like you know, and it's and that and that makes it that much more impressive. Yeah. That he can maintain that. Yeah. That energy and is prepared right. for that shit. Right. For, dude, that's a lot of memorizing. That's a lot of oh. lyrics. That's a lot of spin. While incorporating rebuttals and seamlessly weaving in and out of yeah. like you know premeditated material with yeah. rebuttals uh-huh. off the head like. So observational. It, these are obviously very intelligent people who have focused their intelligence on this specific thing. Right. That's why cannabis, being intelligent in his form, right. was completely taken aside because it's a different set of muscles. Well, exactly. Right? Like cannabis has never been known as like he's a deep mind more than he is a quick mind. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I know absolutely. And, and it's just and it's got to be. Come on, this is like six three or whatever. How tall is he? Yeah. And he's just like one. yelling in your face and fucking calling you queer. Like you know. Well, there's a lot going on with cannabis on a personal That's level true too. Like, yeah, yeah. so it's deeper than yeah, yeah, you know. I'm just saying in, in general I would not want to battle I wouldn't sign up to battle Diz absolutely this. not like I, now it's impressive that like, people sign up to battle Diz just like to get beat by Diz but I 100% feel, like right? what I've but what Diz has accomplished <laughs> yeah. that I, there's so many people that I've ushered into the game but the amount of lives he's touched and just how what he's managed to accomplish within the space of battle rap and beyond it being an ambassador for the culture, being in a movie produced by Eminem, like all this, yeah, like no, no. having it based on like that right there. But 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 to, to to focus back a little bit more, what you guys have been able to do for battle rap has benefited hip hop on so many levels. Absolutely, that you should you should be very proud of that. Lush. Thank you. You contributed to this wave of recognition to, towards hip hop that wasn't there without the battle rap. I feel. Well, people were like forgetting about lyricism. You yeah, know? yeah, they, yeah, they really were. Like, how far can you push this specific attribute that's so vital to not only MCing but hip hop culture as well? And just like 
the spoken word, you know, the the oral tradition pause. What was happening, the business was going one way. How do we get as far away as possible from lyricism? That's why everybody slurs and it's just like repetition. Right. How do we do it? And then battle rap was like, no, this is strict lyricism. Like, right. And it gave people that wasn't finding it here an outlet. And now you got YouTube videos and it blows up and it becomes this thing. Where do you see it going? It's gonna where continue. would you like it to go? I think it's what I think the next step is is now we're finally at a space where established MCs in the game outside of the space of battle rap yes. will be stepping into that arena, you know. Mm. We're gonna be seeing Do you recommend that though? I do if it's the right people. If it's like the Royce the Five Nines, if it's the you know what I mean? Like sure. if if it's the I know you're not a fan of this guy, but yeah. like the Lloyd Banks is yeah. and Jada Kiss is like the, I mean Jada can spit. I'm a I'm, know, a, I'm a Jada fan, you know. I'm like like these Jada. Conway, you know, Benny, like these, oh, the, yeah, these, yeah. these very lyrical dudes stepping into this space. Oh, interesting. because for others it, it would probably be the wrong move. Right, yeah. I, I don't think that uh, <laughs> right? I don't recommend um, you know, Chingy and Bow Wow. Sure. Like, well, Bow Wow and Lil Romeo. I, I don't, I don't recommend <laughs> NBA Young Boy battling Kodak Black. No, that would not. That would not be entertaining for it. No. Well, I mean, it might be entertaining, but <laughs> just pull out guns. Well, it'll be one of. Well, well, at what point do we consider it to be uh, like a like these boxing matches that have been happening lately? Right. This isn't boxing. Right. right? This no, is no, no. this is a cash grab or whatever it is. But at what point don't we consider it the same thing? Like, come on, man. I, like, I, I think I think it's in the integrity of the platform that produces it. You know, interesting. Like, so like you're not seeing like the actual you're not seeing the UFC you're not seeing like the actual boxing federation putting these on yeah. these are done by yeah. you know janky promoters essentially uh-huh. people that so if it's done within the context of the culture for the culture to perpetuate the agenda of the culture yeah and just you know that's when that's when it works king of the dot seems to have a reputation to do business right for the Absolutely. most part and Absolutely. outside of that and the, the, those other things seem to be personal complaints or whatever it is. But that's no, always going to happen. But, but you're not known as the ones who take the money and run. Like that's no. not you. Known as the fucking events happen at King. Like you can, Let me Since ask you. 2007. So how is that for how female MCs? Right? Do you see them being treated differently just on the basis of feminism because they're feminine or females, or is it? Are you saying are they swinging from the white tees essentially? Okay. Is that what you're And I don't mean King of the Dog. Let's back up a little bit. As in, you're, you're, in the you're scene. Talking about battle rap. Yeah, battle rap. Yeah. I think that you, at this point there's um they I think that obviously it was more of a novelty at one point and they were kinda coddled. Yeah. Because absolutely. it was like, hey, but now obviously you got the Queen of the Ring platform, which mm-hmm. is really dope. And there's a lot of a lot of these girls are as good as, if not better, than a lot of these dudes. Sure. And it's yeah. transcended gender. Mm-hmm. It's transcended uh, sexual orientation. It's transcended, you know, any of that shit. Age, race, mm. demographics of socioeconomic status. Yeah. None of that matters. Are you nice with it? That's what matters. Do you got bars? Yeah. Because some of these girls are killing it. Oh yeah, man. I've seen. I've been watching these recently, and th- these chicks are just and they're rough, bro. They're Vixen, mean. My verse, yeah. KCJ. There's a whole bunch of them. And then you had uh, RX, Ezo Finesse. You've had some of that have been doing it for a while, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I remember you had Reverie take yeah, a battle Rev, there. Rev's my good old Jen, Jen, yeah, 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 Jen. Yeah. That was dope. Uh, what is it, Godiva? Right. Bonnie Godiva. Yeah, she's yep, dope. Yep, she's a beast. Uh, I enjoy her a lot. Bonnie's in, in a the beast. Battle. 
anyway, so it is a well, it is a place where females can find an outlet. You think now? What now? So more than ever, mm. without having to, yeah, without having to degrade themselves in the way that in the industry does to female artists. Well, because like whenever it's I not see just based on your twerks, a male battle a female. The all he's doing is calling her a bitch for like four minutes, and that's and it's know, like, like look, man, like that's part of it. But that's like the <laughs> the lowest common denominator. Yeah, like, and that's whack. Yeah, and that's there's yeah. nothing tight about that. Yeah. Like just like, but, but it has evolved to be a full on its own kind of thing, right? Hundred percent. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So King of the Dog has has a a, a place for females in their outlets. absolutely. You know, okay. we got. Gaddis, Myverse, mm -hmm. Bonnie Godiva. There's mm -hmm. a bunch of dope female MCs. Any MC that surprised you? Like initially? Like maybe you had a, some pre... As far as women or as far uh, as gender? Uh, in general. Any MC that like you said in like general, really took you back? Like, oh shit. There, there's a lot. There's this uh, There's this kid from the Midwest named Award. This white boy from uh, Kansas City in Tennessee. And um, he... I kind of like, he's a Christian rapper. Oh, so I kind of was like, oh, dope. this fool's gonna be weak. Yeah, like I don't know about this. It's like, just bars, but he's nasty. He <laughs> That's does, dope. Well, I could see some little. biblical shit being. being of you know course, what I'm saying? like those like, references and yeah. stuff. But he's just like a dope MC <laughs> okay. who happens to be Christian. I yeah. think of that when people like lean on like, yo, like, like I'm a Christian rapper, like it. You know, there's a few of them that are dope, but that's like, yeah. as opposed to being a rapper that's Christian, yeah. you know. Like Lecrae or yeah, somebody exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. Well, what is it, uh, Propaganda? Right, yeah, right. Got a number of dope Christian right. rappers. Thank you for sitting with me, Lush. I appreciate your time, bro. Well, well, baby. I, I honestly, let me, if this was the last thing people ever heard Lush on, what would you like them to take away from it? Do the best that you can, make the most of the moment. Quit playing with us. Quit playing with yourself. Live life, love life. Get paper. But don't sacrifice your soul for it. Wise words. Wise words. Anything you want to say before we take off of it? Uh, man, thank you for having me on, on the podcast. And uh, yeah, stay true to yourself and chase that bag. You feel me? When it's up and it's stuck, don't let your guard down. When them thugs running up, they might get marked out. Mm. Period. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, your, your solo episode. So hopefully you'll join me for a, for a, your own one-on-one -on -one episode. Yeah, yeah, sure. absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Uh, I really... The, the coming to the artist is always a better story. You know what I'm saying? And I'm glad that we made this happen in such a beautiful day. It's a beautiful spot. You're doing yeah, so good, Ill. bro. I'm so it's proud of you, man. You too, I'm so brother. happy for you, man. You're doing your thing. You know thing. it's You're love all day. Yeah. I support the platform. Whatever I can do to push the line. Yeah. You know yeah. we're here. Yeah. So, for Lush One, for King of the Dot, where are we? Santa Monica, California. Far west, baby. Right for, by the beach. Right <laughs> near the beach. For the water grill. For those lobster rolls, though, bro. Come on, those lobsters were stupid, son. Right? Oof. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad to take your lobster roll virginity. That's all I could ask. Uh, in more than one way, you guys. No. Uh, for real and true hip-hop everywhere, this is Concept 714 asking you, demanding that you help us. Wake the flock up. And we are this B.I. Wake the fuck up!